Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Tonight we're going to learn how to shake off the attacks of the enemy. We're going to learn how to resist, how to learn how to counter the attacks from someone in the Bible that really knows what they're talking about someone who was subject to a lot of attacks from the enemy, uh, the Apostle Paul himself. So I want to go to Acts chapter 28. I'm going to read you a portion of Scripture, and then we're going to break this down, going to unpack this whole concept here. Remember, 1 Peter chapter 5 said that the enemy has a tactic. He's practical. He knows he can't attack everyone, so he will seek who he can. And once he finds that person that he can't attack, We're going to see from Paul's life how that takes place and how we can counter that, resist it, how we can shake it off. Acts 28, verse 1. Once safely on shore, we found out, this is is the Apostle Luke who's writing this, we found out that the island was called Malta. You remember the story? Paul is traveling from from Jerusalem to uh, Rome. He, uh, on the way there, is caught up in this major storm. Uh, we would call it a hurricane today or some type of a cyclone or nor- nor'easter. And um, they spent quite a few days, if I'm not mistaken, I think 14 days in this storm. And then finally, they run aground near the island of Malta. And that's where we pick up here in Acts chapter 28. Verse 2, the islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, very dangerous snake, was driven out by the heat. Obviously, this this viper was in this pile of brush or pile of of just dry wood. And when it was put on the fire, the heat caused that viper to, to shoot out, and it fastened itself on Paul's hand. When the islanders saw that the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, they came to this conclusion, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice, obviously one of their pagan entities, has not allowed him to to live. In other words, even though though he survived the storm, survived the hurricane, they were saying that Justice itself would not allow him to live. It came to the conclusion that he was a murderer. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no effects. Verse 6, the people expected him to swell up, which would be the natural thing from a snake bite and to to have suffered some type of a poisonous effect. But they expect him to swell up. They expect him to suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their mind. They came to a different conclusion. And they said, oh, no, he's not a murderer. He must be a god because obviously they recognized they just saw something very supernatural happen. So let's, let's take note of some of the things here. Again, we're talking about shaking off the attacks of the enemy. We're talking about being very much aware of our adversary, the enemy. And so let's look at this again. Let's, number one, we find out that the devil never plays fair. When we read this in context, we understand the incident that's taken place here is in one of the most dangerous times in Paul's life. As I said, he's been stuck for 14 days in the middle of a hurricane. 
Most of the people on board have given up all hope of ever setting foot on land again. And after cutting the ship free from the, its anchors, the ship crashed into a reef and began to break up. And Paul and the other survivors just jumped into the ocean and swam ashore, some on boards and some on pieces of the ship. This could very much remind us of some of the attacks that we've suffered in our lives from the enemy. And you get to the place sometimes you're like, man, just, just time out here. Uh, enough is enough. It's like sometimes you go from one crisis to the next crisis to the next crisis. And it feels like every demon in hell knows exactly where you live and knows how exactly when to hit you. In Psalm 3, this is what it states. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep and I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though ten thousands assail me on every side. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. This You hear the heart of the person who wrote the psalm. This is the heart of a person who's like, man, is it ever going to stop? It just seems like I knock one giant down, another one gets up. It seems like I take care, I put out one fire, and then two other fires pop up. And we've all been there. We've all been through those times of life. You may be going through it right now. You may be going through a time where your health is being attacked. Or you may be going through a time right now where your, your, your marriage may be attacked. Your family may be under attack. Uh, your job. Uh, there's so many different areas that the enemy can attack us in. But we've got to grow in the knowledge of the Lord in this fact, that he's the one who delivers us. When we cry out to him, if we'll continue to trust him, He'll turn the situation around. So number one, number one, we got to realize the enemy never plays fair. In our minds, we think, well, man, I've been through a lot. You know, maybe I can get a little bit of a break here and get a breather. He doesn't think that way. The enemy wants to hit you while you're down. So recognize that. And listen, do not take it personally. The enemy, the enemy hates us because he really hates God. And the closest he can get to God is to attack his children. So take that into consideration. Don't take it personal. Number two, sometimes the attack comes while you're doing good things. That's got to be probably one of the most frustrating things. Here you are, you're doing good things. You, you, you're maybe serving people, maybe serving a church. Maybe you're, you're, you're involved in some charity someplace and you're, you're constantly doing for others. And then all of a sudden, bam, the attack comes. Well, look at the Apostle Paul in verse three. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself to his hand. Paul's not out drinking in a bar someplace. Paul's not out partying anywhere. Paul is trying to help by helping to build his fire because obviously he's not the only survivor from the shipwreck. And he's, he goes and he goes and collects some wood. And uh, here he is. He's trying to help the other people who are building this fire. And as he gets there, as he gets closer to this, puts this on the fire, bam. The snake jumps out. He's trying to help those people because they're chilled to the bone. Um, and while he's serving others, he comes under attack. Again, don't take it personal. Keep doing the good things. Keep serving others. Keep putting others before yourself. God, who sees what we do in secret, will reward you openly. But don't get frustrated and don't get angry. You know, sometimes we can get even angry at God. It's like, God, how could you let this happen to me, you know? It's like, here I am, I'm doing all the right things, trying to do the right things anyway. The enemy doesn't have any sense of fairness. The enemy has no sense of justice. And so 
you got to realize that sometimes even when you're in the midst of doing good things, you're going to get attacked. And sometimes we get attacked because we are doing the good things. Number three, again, this is all, we're unpacking this whole six verses of scripture. Number three, people are watching the way you handle your attack. Verse four says, when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. They came to a natural conclusion. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. They expected Paul to die. Verse five, but when Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no effects, the people expected him to swell up and, and die suddenly. But after they waited a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. People are watching the way we handle life. People are watching the way you handle your attack. People are watching to see if you're going to lose it. People are watching to see how much normalcy you're going to, you're going to continue to walk in while you're enduring this onslaught from the enemy. Most times, we're so busy shaking off the attacks that we don't even realize that the most important outcome of the attack is not necessarily who wins, but how you handled it. I remember many years ago when I was in the restaurant business and it was very apparent that we were going to have to close the business. We just couldn't make ends meet anymore. This was during one of the recessions back in the, in the 80s. And uh, the people around me, people in my own family, began to say, man, I can't believe you're not losing it. I mean, you know, you're losing your house. You're losing the business. You're going to lose your cars, all this other stuff. And people were watching to see if I was going to have a breakdown. People were watching to see if I was going to turn to alcohol or drugs or anything else. People, and people are watching you right now to see, is this true? Is it real about this God who we claim to believe? Is it true that we can put our trust in him and, and, and maintain our stability in life and not lose it? And the fact of the matter is, yes, we can. We can endure hardship like a good soldier, as the scriptures say. But understand this, people are watching you. So let that, instead of add pressure to you or cause to more of a burden on your shoulders to say, wow, I got to go through this attack and now I got to worry about how everybody's watching me. No, let that be an incentive to know that they're watching you because they also go through attacks and they're looking for someone to follow. They're looking for someone, as an example, to gain strength from so that when the attack comes against them, They'll use you as an example. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort. Listen to verse 4. Who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Wow, that's a mouthful. What is it saying? Here's what it's saying. When you and I go through things, we, as we endure, as we plow through, as we gain the victory, we pick up the anointing. We pick up the ability to be able to deal with those situations in other people's lives. It says here, with the comfort that you receive from God, comfort others. For instance, my wife and I went through a disastrous bankruptcy many years ago. We were wiped out of everything. In the natural, we really didn't know how this was going to work out. But God brought us through step by step. God brought us through. And he turned the whole situation around. I can't tell you the amount of people over the years that we've been able to sit across a table from with a cup of coffee who were just starting to go into financial problems. And because we walked through it and because God took us through it and because he delivered us through it, because he supplied all of our needs, we were able to sit and give a testimony experientially, not out of a book, 
But we're able to say, listen, don't, don't lose it. You're going to be okay. Everything's going to be right. There's life after bankruptcy. Just hold on to God. Hold on to his word. Now, had we not gone through that, we might not have the ability to sit across the table with a husband and wife, a single mom, and say, listen, you're going to be okay. Let's start working through these practical things. Let's start praying. Let's start applying the word of God to your situation. It's an exact fulfillment of that scripture. My wife and I have been able to comfort others with the comfort that we've received from our Father in heaven. You can do the same thing. Number four, God wants you to learn how to shake off the attacks so you can rescue someone else under attack. There's just something amazing about when you go through things. You develop a compassion for people. I remember uh, a number of years ago, I developed a condition that needed to, I needed hospitalization. I needed to undergo a procedure. I was only in the hospital for two days. But I remember laying there at night thinking to myself about a friend of mine, someone who used to attend this church, who's gone home to be with the Lord now, who endured and suffered and battled and fought the good fight for five years. And I thought to myself, my God, I've only been in this for two days. He endured for five years. And it caused such a compassion to rise up on the inside of me. It caused such a, um, a sense of, wow, this is what this feels like. When the doctors come and tell you, if you don't have this procedure, we can't guarantee you're going to walk out of here. And I thought to myself, man, I gained such a respect for that young man and such a respect for his wife and his family. They endured for five years years, the constant reports from the doctors, the disappointments, the hopes, the physical pains. There's something about when we go through these kind of things, you pick up what you need to help others walk through it and to rescue someone else under attack. Going back to Acts chapter 28, verse 7 says, when Paul got on that island, after that viper attacked him, when the people saw that nothing happened, the word started to spread. Verse seven says, there was an estate nearby, nearby where this shipwreck took place that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. Maybe he's a governor, some type of administrator. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous, generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. And dysentery is a wasting disease. If you don't get a hold of it, you just lose all your strength and eventually you'll die. Paul went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hand on him and healed him. Paul gets attacked. He shakes it off. The people watch. They're coming to their own conclusions. When they see that nothing happens to him supernaturally, because remember Jesus said, as you're out on your way doing business for me, if you drink anything deadly, deadly, it won't hurt you. And even snake bites will not affect you. And Paul literally saw the manifestation of that promise. So, so now the word gets out. Hey, there's this guy on the beach here. It seems like he got, he's got some supernatural powers. And so he's welcome to this house. This, this person's father is sick in bed. Paul lays hands on him. And he's, and he's healed. He's healed. Paul went from the attack against himself to rescuing this gentleman from a possible death sentence. 
Many times the attacks come just with that in mind to shut us down from helping others. Paul didn't let the attack stop him from ministering to this to this person. Now, mind you, mind you, uh, this individual is a government official. You can be guaranteed that the word got out all over the island of Malta that this person's father was healed by this guy who the ocean spit out. That word must have traveled all over the island. The same hands that the snake attacked. Think about this. Think about this. The very same hands that the snake attacked were the same hands that Paul laid on that sick man and got him healed. Don't let the attack of the enemy stop you from doing the work of God. Don't let the attacks of the enemy thwart you, put obstacles in your path, make you think that just because you've been attacked, and maybe you're still under that attack. Maybe the enemy's lying to you saying, well, you know, look at you, you're still under attack, you can't be used by God. No, 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 it's not true. It's not true. When we love people with the same love that God's loved us with, it does something, it lifts us up, out and above the attack, above the disappointment, above the frustration. Mother Teresa said this, for love to be real, it must cost. It must hurt. It must empty us of self. When you're able to minister to others while you're still in the midst of your attack, that has got to be one mighty expression of the love of God and the compassion of Jesus on the inside of you. Number five, people are drawn to those who learn how to shake it off. Verse nine, when this happened, the rest of the sick of the island came and were cured. There's something about when, when, when people, when we as human beings see the supernatural power of God manifested to help someone, to deliver someone, to heal someone, we're drawn to that. We're drawn to the supernatural. There's something on the inside of each and every one of us that knows there's got to be more than what I see. There's got to be more available. There's got to be this God has to exist who's full of love and full of compassion. We see the same thing in Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her head, her hand, excuse me, and the fever left. And she got up and began to wait on them. Here's a woman who's sick in bed. She's got a fever, probably a very high fever. He comes in, he lays his hand on her. What is the first thing she does? She gets up and she begins to wait on them. She didn't lay there and say, well, maybe tomorrow when I feel better, I'm well recovered. So what happened? When evening came, now the word got out. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, to Jesus. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. People are drawn to those who know how to shake off the attacks of the enemy. What are some of the attacks that you might be going through right now that you need to shake off? Maybe there's some past traumatic experiences that made an impact in your life. And many times the enemy gains access to, to a person, to a person's thought life, through their emotions, through their heart, through accidents, through tra tragedies, and that needs to be shut down. There are some of you that are watching this right now, listening to this right now. You may have had something very traumatic happen to you as a child, and, and it's triggered some things. And every once in a while, something very innocent that can happen can trigger that memory and bring back those painful results. You need to shake that off. You need to go to God. You need to bring it to him. You need to ask him to intervene. You need to, you need to allow the blood of Jesus to cover that, that emotional scar, that wound that's in your heart. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, a very familiar passage of Scripture, but let me read it to you in the Amplified Version. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, 
of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. In other words, God, God's will is not for us to be paralyzed with fear, to be in a, in a fetal position, unable, with, unable to really conduct normal life. That, that's not God's will. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. I, I pray in the name of Jesus that any of those things that, that trigger you, that bring back that traumatic experience from, from, from a child, maybe that horrible car accident that you might have been, there might have been some molestation in your life. You may have suffered abuse somewhere. And it's, 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 it's stuck with you. It's, it's kind of shaped your personality. But I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you be set free from that thing, that you would allow the love of God, the compassion of God, the power of God to come in and disconnect that thing in your life so that the enemy never again could use that, that your adversary would be stopped from perpetrating that hurt in your life. You may have suffered disappointment or letdown, maybe a broken relationship. You need to forgive. When you forgive, you're shaking that thing off. You are allowing that thing to disconnect from you so that it cannot continue to inject poison into your heart. Unforgiveness is disastrous in this effect. It keeps affecting us, but the person that you're holding in unforgiveness, they go on with their lives. <laughs> they don't even remember what they did to you. They don't even care. And here you are, you continuously punish yourself with unforgiveness. Maybe, maybe you're under the attack of negative words, words of criticism, words of judgment. When we speak anything contrary to God's word as it pertains to another individual, that basically is a curse. A curse is the opposite of a blessing. When we speak negative about someone, I grew up hearing constantly, you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to be able to accomplish anything. You're just this and you're just that and you're just the other. And those words stuck to me for many, many, many years. If I'm not careful even today, I can allow that kind of criticism or that type of um, judgment, words of judgment from somebody. I can allow those. If I'm not careful, they'll try to get back in and have the same effect. But, I've learned through the word of God to shake it off. Shake off those words. Break the power of those words that were spoken over you when you were little. You're a dummy. You're not smart like so-and-so. Why can't you be like this one? Those words, they'll, they'll, they'll hurt your soul. And they are used by the enemy to stop you from fulfilling all the purpose that God created you for. James chapter 3, verse 9 says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with, with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. It should not be. Be, be very much aware and be careful that you don't allow the enemy to use you to speak words of curse, words of death over somebody else's life. Sometimes we criticize people, we get angry at people, and we speak things about them. Uh, we should be quick, not only to forgive, but quick also to retract those words, to break the power of those things. Maybe, you're, maybe the enemy has used people's expectation in your life to bring fear. And so what ends up happening is we, when, we're, when we are so aware of people's expectations and when that is heavy on you, that I need to do this because so-and-so was expecting this and I need to do this. I want my mom, I want my dad to be proud of me. Uh, I want my wife to be proud. I want my husband. I want my whatever, siblings, uh, friends. We can allow that kind of pressure to come down on us. The enemy will use that to bring intimidation and insecurity. When you live your life fearful of what everyone thinks about you and who you are, 
you are leaving a door open for the enemy to come and devour you, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 5. See, you can't be stable when you're so worried about what everybody thinks about you. It'll cause instability in your life. You'll make decisions based on what other people are saying about you or you want to please them. The Bible tells us that pleasing man is a, is a snare. It's a trap. And it'll catch you every time. How do we shake these things off? Know who you are in Christ and what God's word says about you. Understand that, that you have that primary weapon. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Again, know who you are in Christ and you'll be able to shake off every one of these attacks in the enemy. Here's what it says, starting in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, verse 19 explains what the ministry of reconciliation is, that God was reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. In other words, now it's our job. Jesus reconciled us to the Father. Now it's our job to reconcile others to the Father. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You are righteous. You have been placed in that position. That is the first thing that the enemy is going to come after in your life. To get you to believe that you're not righteous. To get you to believe that you're not delivered. You're not a child of God. Don't let him win in those attacks. When any attack comes, when the adver adversity comes from whatever source, it's always coming from the devil. It's always coming from the kingdom of darkness. It may come in different manifestations. It may come through people. But make no mistake, it's not coming from God. And so you need to treat it that way. So, so we need to rise up. When I'm under attack, first thing I need to do is I'm in Christ. What or who can hurt me? The attacks are going to come. But I need to strengthen myself in that one thing. I am in Christ. Number two, in God's eyes, I'm a brand new creation. I might not feel that way every day, but you know what? It's not about what I feel. It's about what God sees and how he treats me and how he sees me. Number three, as far as God is concerned, my old nature is gone. There is no place for the enemy to have legal right to come and attack my life. Now, if I open up a door for him, that's a different story. But as we continue to grow closer to the Lord, as we continue to elevate the word of God above our feelings and our thoughts, he has less and less ability to attack us. Number four, I'm reconciled already with God. Number five, my sins are not being held against me. So the enemy can't come with those attacks of guilt and condemnation. He'll try, but I say, no, 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 no. Bring them someplace else. It's not going to work here. I already know that my sins have been forgiven. I already know that I've been reconciled unto God. I already know that he's not holding my sin against me. Number six, this is what will strengthen you in the face of every attack. Hold, hold on very, very, very closely and tightly to the idea you have a job to do here on this earth. You don't have time to fool around with the devil and his attacks. You've got a job to do, and that job is to reconcile others unto God. Number seven, I am Christ's ambassador. I'm a representative here on earth of the kingdom of God. I derive my authority and my power from another kingdom, 
not from the one. I'm in this world, but I am not of this world. And I represent another kingdom, one that is supernatural, one that is greater than anything that I can see here on this earth. <clears throat> Number eight, finally, I have already been placed in right standing with God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, therefore, I hold on to these truths. Why? Because they're my weapons of warfare against the enemy. They're my weapons of warfare against any attack that tries to come against my life. Because every attack of the enemy is based on a lie. And that lie is either about you or about God. All these lies allow us to hold on to past wounds. They cause fear to be a present day reality in my life instead of something that was dealt with in the past. And I need to constantly remind myself that my future is secure in my God. No matter what attacks come, no matter how many come, no matter how often they come, no matter what form they come, no matter who the enemy uses that may hurt me desperately and drastically, I have got to rise up and I have got to remind myself of who I am in Christ. Finally, I want to I want to leave you with this scripture. It's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 38. And I pray that this brings you comfort. And I pray that it strengthens you. And I pray that it causes you to put these attacks in the right category. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate me from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Please remember this. The attacks are going to come. We have an enemy who is seeking. He's roaming about like a lion, like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Don't qualify for him to come and devour you, to come and devastate your life. Hold on to who Christ is. Hold on to who you are in him. Shake off the attacks. We've got a job to do. God bless you. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And I pray that it stirred you up. That when the attacks come, you're not going to entertain them. You're not going to sit there and feel sorry for yourself. You're going to shake them off and you're going to go forward and fulfill God's plan for your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.